welcome to the ABCA's podcast. I'm your host, Ryan Brownlee. Welcome to the ABCA's mini-series, Father and Son. In this series, we cover the coach-player and parent-child relationship through the eyes of the coach and their sons who played for them. This is a truly unique relationship, and this mini-series should be of value to any coach, parent, or player. Thanks for tuning in, and please enjoy Father and Son. Today's guests on Father and Son are Rob and Donnie Walt. Rob has had a very successful career as a coach. He had a great run as an assistant and head coach at Oral Roberts University. He was hired on Oklahoma State staff in 2012. In 2016, he was named the ABCA Baseball America Assistant Coach of the Year. He's also been an assistant and head coach with USA Baseball. Donnie had a successful college career at Oklahoma State from 2013 to 2016. He earned all Big 12 honors every year. In 2016, he was a fifth-round draft pick of the Seattle Mariners. Last summer, he was called up to the big leagues with the Mariners. Welcome to Father and Son. I appreciate you guys coming on. I'll, you know, I just want to talk about your guys' relationship, and obviously, I come from that. Donnie, I don't know how much you know about me. My dad was a thirty-year Division One head coach, and so I played college for my dad and brother. So when I took the ABCA job, this is something that I has kind of been in the back of my mind for a long time. Interviewing sons and dads at the high school and the college level, uh, just because I think that's a unique story, and and we have a lot of those unique stories with baseball that that not a lot of other sports have so I, that's just what I want to hit on this is just it's basically just a conversation um and just getting your guys viewpoints because you know there's baseball's in a great place but as, especially at the younger levels I think people need to hear these types of stories just because parents have a huge impact on on their kids um, so I just, I think this is a great story and, um, I'm interviewing at all levels. Uh, it's neat cause we have baseball coaches at all levels that have coached their sons. Um, and, and some are in your situation that, that were great players and, and got a chance to go on and play professional baseball. But then there's some guys that whose sons were just okay and end up being role players. So I think that's a great story to tell. Like, how are you dealing with that as a coach when your son's not one of the best players on the field? And, um, you know, so I, I just think we have a lot of unique stories to tell um, on that side of it. And then you have a guy like Mike Bianco who is not going to coach his kids. You know, he's letting his, you know, he's got one at Louisville, he's got one at LSU. And so he's got a story to tell too, like how he came to that decision of, of not coaching his kids and being okay with, with letting somebody else coaches his son so um i do appreciate you guys coming on we're here with uh, rob walton and donnie walton and um you know for anybody that doesn't know rob uh pitched at oklahoma state for gary ward and then got into professional baseball and then was an assistant at oru and head coach at oru before he went back to oklahoma state in 2012 and then donnie actually played for 
Rob at Oklahoma State from 2012 to 2016 and uh, was a fifth rounder with the Seattle Mariners and then got called up last year uh, with the Mariners to the big league. So thank you guys for coming on with me. No bet. No problem. I'm just going to go kind of back and forth between you guys with these questions. You know, and Rob, you know, did it make it any easier for you? You coach pitchers, uh, you know, with Donnie's time at Oklahoma State. Did it make it easier for you? Being on that side of it, dealing with the pitchers where you didn't have to directly coach him as a position player? Well, um, I, I helped Josh with the hitters and also coached the hitters at um, ORU. So I kind of did a little bit of both, um, helped out. From a ground ball standpoint on a daily basis in college, uh, really didn't spend a whole lot of time with him. Um, but as he was growing up and he liked playing all the sports and, and things like that. But when we came to ground balls and I was at ORU, we were able to seek a lot of information from local guys, a guy named Billy Rota, um, and then big league guys. I became friends with Jay Bell and, and guys like that. I would pick their brains. And then Jay came out and visited. So on infield play ORU, I was just trying to improve and and then got to a really good place. Um, so for me, if I wasn't good at something, I would definitely go out and seek that information as a head coach because I just didn't want to, at that time, be labeled a just a, a pitching guy. I wanted to be a baseball guy. So, um, you know, with Donovan um, here, you know, we worked a lot hitting-wise and, uh, and infield-wise, he would work with the coaches yeah, here, but Josh would help him too, swing the bat. But we probably, him and I probably did the majority of the work. You know, Donnie, you know, committed originally to ORU, and then your dad takes the the job at Oklahoma State. Was there ever a time for you, you where you thought about maybe staying at ORU and, and not going to Oklahoma State? I know that your mom graduated from Oklahoma State as well. Was there ever was that ever in the back of your mind where, okay, dad's going to Okie State, and I'm going to stay and go to ORU? Was that ever in the back of your mind at all? Uh, it was kind of a little bit. Because how it played out, I was actually playing summer ball, and um, one of the coach or one of the one of my teammates' dad kind of brought it up into the dugout. And when I got home, uh, of course, my pops told me that he was going to Oklahoma State, uh, all that. And all year um, leading up to that, I became really close with the the guys that are at ORU already. You know, I'm there every and um, spend a little time with them and got to. Uh, so definitely, it was kind of like. I guess a little heartbreaking kind of just leaving those guys who I got close with. But, um, you know, we sat down uh, with my parents and uh, the best route and Josh gave me a call um, soon later and was like, Hey, you know, I want your dad, but I also want you too. And, and that kind of gave me some confidence going into Oklahoma state. Selfishly. I'm glad you decided to make that decision because when I took the, the Western Illinois job, I didn't have to see you then playing at, at Oral Roberts. So <laughs> That, that that made my life easier. Um, you know, and, and obviously your mom's an Oklahoma State grad. So, you know, talk a little bit about that side of things with, with your mom's perspective, because I know there's there's moms out there listening in. What was her take on, on you playing for your dad ultimately, um, you know, and, and also dealing with kind of the development side growing up from, from her side? You know, what was her take on you playing for, for your dad? Was she going to be okay with that? She just wanted to see all my options. I mean, I, I was lucky enough and fortunate enough to um, take a look at other schools, and she was encouraging me to do that and uh, kind of just seek out, go look at other campuses, and, you know, if you like something, you know, go go do it. And 
And uh, it honestly came down to uh, what the players in the past have said um, about my dad. You know, you know, when you're playing for your dad when you're little and your friends are playing for their dad, then they're like, you don't really want to listen to him. You know, it's kind of like, <laughs> it's like, I don't, I don't want to listen to him. He doesn't know what he's talking about. But in my case, he do, he does know what he's talking about. And <laughs> players, players told me in the past, like if you if you don't listen to him, you're an idiot. Like you're an idiot. Yeah. Like you need to you need to pay attention. And so when constantly or Tino say and stuff like that, I just was like, okay, I, I probably should go play for this guy. Yeah. And, um, and uh, you know, it's it's probably the best decision of my life. So, but I appreciate my mom telling me the rules and because. You know, not every kid gets to do that, and uh, I was fortunate enough to do it. Exactly. Rob, what were your interactions like with Donnie growing up then? I know, you know, my dad was a college baseball coach, so you don't have a lot of those opportunities to coach him in any organized team settings. Did you have any interactions with Donnie before college uh, with an organized team setting stuff? Just explain that if you did have that, and then, um, you know, what that was like for you as well. Yeah, no, we didn't. uh, I didn't have any interaction there. uh, Making making a lot of we're trying to get our program uh, going yep. at ORU. So when I was an assistant, that wasn't very good yet and um, changed philosophies and things of that nature. And then became the head guy. And, you know, that, that part of it's a grind. So I told the, uh, I'm in any time that you want to come by, you know, I have to practice or whatever and then we'll hit, you know, um, but I don't want to be calling him and, telling him hey come on over you need to hit it's just more his deal than my soccer player in europe uh, world-class soccer player in europe and i played soccer in high school so kind of took that same approach so i took that approach where hey if you want if you need something you want something you want ground balls you ask me if you want to hit ask me um and uh but i don't really want to ask you um this has got to be your thing it's got to be your deal And, um, you know, that's why we encouraged them to go seek other schools um, that recruited him, take your visits. Uh, And he didn't make his decision until probably the day before the signing. So unlike everybody else who kind of today, you know, you get a phone call, people make decisions. You know, we kind of let it all settle in and let him kind of – I knew it was going to be okay for us to to do it – but prior to now, did we? I didn't have any experience with him um, from that standpoint. Just if I got to a game, I would I would definitely go to that game and get to a place where I wasn't around a whole lot of other parents and people and things of that nature. I just wanted him to do his thing, and and obviously as a player of a coach, you're always you're at everybody's expectations from the outside looking in or are much greater. Yes. So, um, so that's why I said when it came down pressure of that expectation and then, you know, then everybody else is going to, if you don't play very well, then it's, it's on me. So, but I said, don't worry about me. I'm fine. I got thick skin. Cause I, they, most people don't know this place. So I got thick skin. So I, I don't listen to it. Um, so, but you just play like, uh, I'm just a normal coach. Don't look at me as the dad. Just we'll just coach him up and and go from there. But I I didn't get to spend a year uh, through the high school season other than him coming over the park on occasion. 
Yeah, and that was the same thing with my dad. My dad was was not going to force it on me. I think that's why I ended up loving baseball is because it wasn't forced on me. And and Donnie, same thing. Like you know, you're playing, and your dad's a college baseball coach. There there is a little bit of that pressure on you growing up, um, and there's some unrealistic expectations on you as a player. You know, at, at what point, Rob? At what point did you feel like Donnie was going to be good enough to play college baseball? Because He's a great player. I was not as good as Donnie was in high school, so I think there was probably some question marks as well whether I was even going to be good enough to play for my dad in college. And I did look at other schools as well, and I think that helped me make my decision. I didn't decide till after I graduated from high school where I was going, but you know that's a lot longer ago where you had a lot you had a lot more time to make decisions. But at what point did you guys kind of realize that okay, Donnie's you're going to be good enough to, to play college baseball. Yeah. Yeah. I think for me, I, I watching a lot of baseball and recruiting and, and, you know, you get to learn a lot of uh, other parents reactions to their, to their sons uh, or daughters playing. And um, if you pay attention, you'll, they'll tell you necessarily what not to do. Yep. Um, Cause there's a lot of, uh, there's some good, there's some good parents out there for sure. But then there's obviously the excitement of the game gets the parent way too excited as well. They can't hold back, but I just didn't allow myself to think about the college thing and, and until it, it grew, you know? So um, I'm not thinking about him playing in college at 12 or 11 or 10 years old. I'm not thinking, I'm just looking at him. Is he having fun? Is he enjoying himself? Does he want to learn um, and just kind of let that whole thing develop um, with all my kids? I introduced as many sports to him as I can. He played soccer, basketball, football, um, baseball. So he did as many as he could. And then, you know, they chose the ones that they wanted to play. My oldest son didn't like baseball, so I said, don't play it. Yep. <laughs> you know, don't play it. It's not something you like. So, um, but as he got older, that's when things started to develop. He was a 98-pound freshman in high school. Yep, yep, same thing. Yeah, he graduated high school at at, um, at 18 years old. So, um, so he played and actually graduated 17 years old and played. Uh, did you play your freshman year half of it or beginning of it? So uh, he was a little bit younger. Had the the summer birthday. So, um, you know, he developed a little bit later, but, um, but like sophomore year, even though he's little, he was, he had uncanny hand strength and he could fundamentally was good. And then we had a couple guys in our area, Bundy and Bradley, two first yep. round picks that are both playing in the big leagues. And then he kind of, he kind of hit those guys. So, um, then I knew that he, you know, he sees the ball well, he's got good fundamentals. And then, um, he had for a smaller guy, he had good hand strength and bat speed and timing. So I said, this could get interesting, um, as we get going. And then, um, that summer before his senior year, he was playing in a perfect game event. There's only one, I think we only played in one. Um, and then the other event was dairy codes, but, and then all, the, um, I was out there too. And I actually got to the game late maybe third inning or so um, I was out watching a recruit and um, next thing you know, there's like 25 schools there watching play. So um, that he could 
handle himself well. So it, it was, I didn't let my mind get there until it started to arrive. But I think his sophomore year is when it became interesting. I said, yeah. you know, if you're going to have that kind of bat against 97 miles an hour, I mean, I mean, you may be okay. Um, <laughs> so it was, uh, it was about that time, but then I still didn't think about it too much until that summer. And that summer, I thought he, his development was was in a in a good spot. Danny, was was baseball your favorite growing up? I know you played multiple sports. Was it your favorite? Because mine was soccer growing up. I actually liked soccer more than baseball until I got into high school. But was was baseball your favorite growing up? Uh, you know, I was one of those guys. Whatever season it was, that was my favorite at the time. I mean, I would put basketball up there. Uh, growing up for whatever reason just playing pickup or anything like that and my brother and i would just have battles growing up yep. and uh, he was way taller than i am yep. so i had to learn learn quick uh how to get around that and then you know oklahoma state basketball at the time growing up was really oh yeah i enjoyed watching them play like john lucas and all them and so that and playing in iba uh so that was kind of like a dream of mine but Kind of going to the park every day and seeing what ORU was doing. Um, I knew I wanted to play college baseball. Yep. Like, and I saw that how the regional and super regional and how special it was yep. uh, to those guys and kind of like, you know, how intense and the competitiveness um, going through it. I knew I wanted to be a part of something like that. So uh, college baseball was like the first thing. I, I wanted to play college baseball for yep. sure. I was the exact same. Did you spend much time in the dugout growing up? Were you in the All stadium time. or were you in the dugout? In the dugout. Yep, me too. Long. Yeah. Me too. Yeah. Yep. I think that's where you're around it. And um, I don't think you you don't appreciate it until you get older of being in those situations, riding the bus. You know, those no are doubt. unique situations no that you get with a, a college coach dad that not everybody gets those, but you it does make the game a little bit slower for you. You know, you and I are very similar. I was undersized in high school, and I think it does allow your skills to come out a little bit more just because the game is much slower. How did you guys handle the the father-son coach-player relationship in college? How were you guys able to separate that out? Because I think that's an intriguing story, and everybody handles it different. How How were you guys able to handle that side of things in college? Yeah, so when we got there, uh, going back to my mom, uh, my mom was driving around campus and I was a little nervous because, you know, going in, I knew what everybody was thinking. Yep. Um, I knew what everybody was thinking. And uh, she helped me calm down, you know, take it one day at a time. So I appreciate my mom for that. And I, uh, my thought process to it was just, I'm going to go, go in, just do my job, not do too much, anything. I'm going to just go in, do my job, give it 100% you know, listen way more than I'm going to talk and um, kind of just not rub anybody the wrong way um, and making sure I'm giving it up, giving it my all. And it was, you know, about two or three weeks in and luckily we had a really good upper class uh, yep. class and the juniors were great, uh, even the sophomores. And we held it, we held a team or a, yeah, a team meeting and stuff like that and a couple um couple older guys came up to me and was like hey like they saw I was kind of like up tight and not really speaking to like hey you can be yourself here yeah. like 
you know, we knew we knew coming in like you're a great ball player. And, uh, we've already appreciate what you've been doing already, and we just want you to be yourself. And that and that was huge for yep. me. That kind of just like, hey, um, I can just be free, and uh, it also helped with my pops. They they were super excited. The pitchers were super excited to have him, and uh, same with the rest of the guys. And um, it's it's good when your teammates enjoy. Uh, having your dad there as well. Yeah, I had high school teammates. There were uh, uh, older high school teammates at Evansville. Um, you know, Memorial played for Quentin Merkel, who coached Don Mattingly. But I had uh, a couple guys that had played in the class ahead of me. Um, we had a really good tradition in high school that I went to, so that that helped um, me be able to separate between my dad being the coach because those guys helped me a lot with the conversations that we would have. I think every freshman at every level goes through that two or three week transition period where you forget to play ba- how, how to play baseball a little bit just because the speed of the game's a little bit different. And it does help to have good teammates that are able to talk you off the ledge a little bit when you need to, because you're not going to be able to go to your dad at times uh, with some of that stuff. So you're going to need your teammates to, to help you along. Did you ever have any, uh Oh, you know, that freshman year, that fall, especially where, did you have any, uh Oh moments? Like, okay, did I make the right decision or not? Um, I was battling um, an injury at the time. I had both, both my patellas were crushed and um, I, I couldn't perform the way I was like, just killing me inside. And, you know, I would, uh, not make a play here or not make a play there and m- not make the spectacular play because I couldn't I couldn't run to the, the best of my ability I think that was kind of like my uh-oh I'm wondering what these guys are thinking um, you know this is supposed to be some great infielder and he's not <laughs> showing it you know and uh, but they knew I was running at the time and having my ice packs on my knees every day and but once I got that surgery done, um, I've been blessed to not have any issues with it. And when I came back, I was I was myself again. And so, um, but yeah, at that at that time, yeah, it was it was a little bit of a struggle. Do you think that helped your transition to professional baseball with the injury? Just any, you know, what you went through in college, just with everything. Do you uh, think that helped that transition? Yeah. You know, playing in high school and summer ball, I don't really think. You, if you're if you're really good or you're you know being successful in high school, there's not really that adversity that hits you, yep. you know, right away. Um, I think the as I went through playing basketball and football, I think you get that a little bit more than you do baseball because baseball, like you know, you can just take off, um, and then you get to college and everybody's good, and and a little adversity hits you, and then you go through a, a stroke or games, and that adversity hits you. And so that definitely kind of getting yourself out of the slump, and uh, when you're not playing well, and how do you how do you, you know, turn it around? I think that definitely helped me go in the pro ball. Yeah, I think about my experience. How much time you know your parents live in your home, you know, in the place that you're playing, your parents are there, you're playing for your dad. How much time did you spend at home? You know, your freshman year, did you live in the dorms or do you live at home? Oh, the dorms. Yeah. My, yep. my pops and my mom, they, they did a really good job of just kind of letting me be like, yep. at times I didn't even think they were even here just because exactly. you know, they let me just, you know, enjoy college and 
everything like that and let me be on my own. So um, it was it was very nice. For me, it depended how I was playing. If I if I was playing well, I'd go home. If I wasn't playing well, I wasn't going to go home at all. <laughs> yeah. No, they always t- said be with your teammates. This is a time you always just go go spend time with your teammates. Yep. Yep. You know, Rob, this has got to be gratifying for you because, you know, you see him from, you know, where he's at as a, as a kid and then obviously you get a chance to coach him up and, you know, it's got to be gratifying for you. You know, any other tips out there for parents that are listening in on how to handle their kids? And you've given some great insights on that. Any other tips on, for parents out there that are listening in? Well, you know, like I, I said, that my father kind of made it my thing, not um, – not his because um, obviously if you're one of the best players in your um, and I'm having a lot of success too so um, so if I wanted something I, I, I definitely have to ask for it yep. um, and I think there's for the most part I was pretty good at that and I have to catch myself um, and then you know just let it, let it go, let it, let it happen. And, you know, put it in God's hands and just let, you know, let him have his life and his career. And the last thing you want to do, make the, make it an irritation um, to where he gets frustrated. You don't want to keep frustration out of it because it takes the fun out of it. So my, you know, I had to really hone in on just letting him do his thing um, in any sport. So, it didn't matter what he played. It's just, you know, after the game, you know, he he wanted to talk about it. We talked. If he yep. didn't really want to talk about it, we don't need to – I don't need to talk about it. A few times where I may if I may throw one thing out there and then leave it, you know, then just leave it. I just – I can't just keep elaborating on it. And if I caught myself doing it, you know, and I, I just shut it down and say, hey, you know what, I just talked too much. I would – I apologize. I talk too much. This is your deal. It's not my deal. Um, and you gotta, you gotta love it. So I, it's just, it just comes down to put them in as, put them in a good environment and then, and then make sure it, it's fine, you know, but now that money has gotten so out of hand um, and it, for the most part, people react a little bit strange when there's money involved. Yes. So, so, um, it's just, just remember it's a game and it's supposed to be fun. And and again, him playing in the big leagues is I never let my mind go to that play. You know, if we talk about major leaguers, we're talking about their movements and their movement patterns and things to that nature. But, um, we are all, our concentration is just on getting, you know, improving, um, because, even if you want to make sure that you're just thinking about improving and not thinking about playing in the big leagues or staying in the big leagues, it's always going to be in the back of your mind, but just concentrate on what you're doing. But for all the parents out there, you know, I think you just have to find a way to, um, to let it, let it be theirs. And, um, you know, if they want something, they normally will ask for it. Yes. You know, they'll ask for it. Um, whatever it is, if I'm hungry, they're going to ask you for food. If they want BP, they're going to ask you first. So I try to do that as best I could. There's moments there that I know I wasn't very good, but um, for the most part, you know, look at him now. He's happy. He enjoys working out. He enjoys playing. He he enjoys what he's doing. So 
for the most part, I think I did a pretty good job, but I, I definitely have my weak moments as well. But, um, but again, it's, uh, you know, he had a lot of fun and, and uh, he did a good job not listening to the noise early about the father son deal, yep. um, which can be tough. Yep. Um, this day, like when I was a player, I never, back then it was, there's, there was newspapers and people read the newspapers. So <laughs> I said, I, I, I would never pick up the paper and, yep. and read what I did after the game. Yep. Um, again, it's somebody's thoughts. Um, and, you know, if I had it in high school, you're, I, I played very well. I didn't really have poor games. So uh, I was in the paper constantly. But as, as college went, Pro Bowl went, I, I just did not read the paper. So I didn't want to listen to somebody tell me how good I was or yep. how bad I was. Yep. Um, so I, I just concentrated on, on what I was doing and I didn't listen to um, the rest of that, that kind of stuff. So I was kind of something I passed on to him. I said, this will be a good experience because if you do get a chance to play after this, everybody's got an opinion and you got to, you got to concentrate on what you're doing and not listen to those things. So to this day, even as a, as a coach, I don't, I've never read an article on, you know, uh, what I was doing. And that's not an insult to the writers. It's just something that keeps me focused on my job and and concentrating on what I need to do to get each player better. I completely agree. Donovan, from a player's perspective, what are the most important things that you need from a coach? Um, You know, through the years, uh, I don't want a coach to just kind of like sugarcoat things. Like I just, I would much rather have the truth than anything else. Like if if I'm doing something wrong, like tell me so I can fix it. I I would be one of those guys. And, um, you know, I think in college, all the coaches, uh, including my dad, were were good about doing that. Um, I think you gotta be, you gotta just tell them the truth. I mean, just, I, I feel like if you're giving them just fake news and, Next thing you know, you're out the door, kind of thing. It's, um, but I think going along, going along with that, um, just also having a, like an like a, I'm trying to say um, thought process towards the game, like their game plan going the game, like having that set, like this, you know, this is what we're gonna do. We're gonna play the small ball game. We're gonna do this stuff. Um, having having that kind of go going in. Um, I don't know a player, a player going to coach, uh, kind of thing. And that they don't have a game plan going in. Um, how are you supposed to prepare, um, leading up to that? So, um, what do you feel like is your best learning environment for you? You know, as a player, when you're like, let's take some drills. Um, when do you feel like you pick things up the the most as a player, um, from a, a drill standpoint? Um, I'm more of a guy that's like, Hands on. Like okay. If if we're sitting in or anything like that, um, for whatever reason, my focus and all that, uh, I don't very I don't do very well in the classroom. But if it's hands on, and we're talking about a drill, or if it's sit down and watch video, um, I think video is huge. Um, and we, um, but I think those two, I I learn the most um, on the hands on stuff and video. What's your favorite hitting drill? Favorite hitting drill. Uh, Probably the most was angle. Toss. Yep. Yep. Um, people always just go, you know, just regular toss, and it's just straight on. And machine, and machine is straight on. Yep. 
and it's a pitcher's not throwing, you know, above his head. <laughs> if you think about it, pitches are always coming out of the angle. Yep. So why would you practice practice something that doesn't happen? You know, or it's not a real life. Use uh, use machines on angles too. Yeah, we do that. In, uh, yep, love it. As well. Love it. We do, and it doesn't have to be a super. Yeah. Yep. Standard. It, you know, it's just something offset. If you're facing a pitcher, if you're facing a lefty that day, that's kind of thrown behind you. We'll, yeah, we'll move it more a little bit that way, but um, it's always going to be at an angle, um, no matter what. Yep. What about defensively? What are your favorite favorite drills for the infield? Defensively. Um, you know, we have a really good guy in Seattle right now, um, Perry Hill. Yes. He's taught, yep. taught me a lot. Um, Billy Rona, growing up, he was the one that kind of got my hands going, got my hands quick. Um, what did you work on to get your hands going? We did a drill um, where right here, you know, you, Jay Bell was the one that told me, you know, wherever you catch a ball, point your index finger because that's where that pocket is yep and um once we got that billy start you know tossing and we just want to have that short positive glove action towards the ball so we just deflect it yep and we used to do that every like all all the time every day and just start positive glove action going and then we put the glove on and then we move back and then try to feel the same thing but keeping everything close, not out here. Yep. And the next thing you know, and that's the same thing with, you know, fielding the ground ball. You want to say small, positive glove action, yep. move. And um, next thing you know, a couple of weeks, I started getting the hang of it. My hands started getting really good and the exchange getting really good. So um, I like the, I like the, just the one hop drills to get the little picks in, um, kind of getting my glove moving right before I go out and take down balls. Now, going back to when you were a kid, when was when were you comfortable enough to go out and take BP with, with your dad's players? Like, even like shagging balls and that stuff. At what age, when was your first experience, like with a, with a live batting practice with the college guys? Six, seven. <laughs> was right, right, was right out of the game. And I, and I was too. Like, I, I was too. I wanted to be out there. Um, I, I just, shagging was the coolest thing. Yes. Yep. Yeah. yeah, for for anybody listening in and and you have an opportunity to let your son or your daughter get out there with with the guys, I think it's the best thing that you can do for a kid to create their love of of baseball as that part of it. Yeah, it was a, it was a sprint. Yes. After school, after school going straight <laughs> to the field and or getting like maybe one round of BP and yep. but no, it it was a dead sprint to go yes. drag. Yep. Yep. All right. Well, before I let you guys go, anything else you want to add in for, for everybody that's listening in? Yeah, tough times for everybody. Right yes. Now. Just find ways to, to get things done. Um, and uh, it's just, this is an experience, my life experience at 57 years old, never seen anything like it. So, um, you know, when he's in big league camp and with opportunity there, and then our guys with opportunity, and then the high school guys with opportunity, everybody's lost opportunity here. So um, it's a little difficult times. But, um, you know, I think, um, you know, baseball in general, I think we need to find ways to make it easier for kids to play yep. at younger age. Um, again, I think the money thing is really 
taken some of our players away from baseball. Um, I think we need to get away from um, so much travel and uh, for kids to play at 10, uh, 9, 10, 11, 12. I mean, I can't imagine the amount of money parents are having to shell out until their their kids are 17 years old. Um, Their investment may be so high or – or then somebody gets into it for a year or two at 11 or 12, and then we can't afford to do this yep. because now it's, you know, it used to be the one of the easiest ones to, to play because you, you'd show up and they have a bat for you. Exactly. So all you need is a, a glove and a pair of shoes. Um, and now, you know, your glove is $350, your bat's 350 to 500, you know, so then shoes, so it's just, you know, you're, you're into, you know, six, $700 before you even get started. Um, so I think it's eliminated a lot of, um, a lot of, uh, kids from playing because it's just not affordable. If I wasn't coaching where I was coaching, he, he might, you know, he might not have put, and I couldn't afford to play. Like I said, I didn't, he wasn't going to showcases and yep. whatnot. He ended up playing for the Dallas Tigers and then they went to some tournaments and some he didn't go. And then, like I said, he went to one in Atlanta and yeah. went to the Co games. And, you know, from there he's got 30 offers. But um, but we couldn't afford because we're getting all the mail to go to Under Armour. Yep. This perfect game deal, that perfect game deal. We can't afford to go do those things. So, you know, at some point, and, you know, I just it needs to, you know, go back to where we, we played with our high school team in the summer. Yes. And, and it's in the spring and the summer and, you know, and you traveled around your area and you played and then if you went to the state tournament and kind of moved on and regional tournament, then you would have a chance to go to a world series. So I played uh, American Legion and Babe Ruth baseball um, from 16 to 18 years old. So um, it was great because they played on different days. They set the schedule in our town that basically you could do both. So you just got to play more, but I think we got to find ways to make it a little bit more affordable because the numbers are going down and major league baseball is telling you the numbers are down because now they want to cut, they want to cut a bunch of minor league teams out and they're saying it's because of money. And, but I don't think it's all due to money. It's due to there's, they need more, they need more players. Yes. Um, and, uh, there's, you know, when I went my first time getting drafted and, um, I think there was a hundred rounds. And now there's teams not drafting players in rounds 35 to 40. Yep. And there were guys drafting players in, in rounds 95. Yep. So the volume of players is down. Um, the good players are still the good players, but there's not as, there's not as many, um, in my opinion, as there were because just the pure volume. Yep. Um, so if they're cutting minor league teams out, um, you know, it's, it's going to be, you know, really disappointing. It was a hundred rounds and, and there's still guys like Bobby Benia getting signed as nine draft yeah. three agents, you know, and they're, you know what I mean? So there was so many guys uh, that were playing. My high school team was on, I wasn't at a big high school, it was 800 people in our high school. And you had to cut 25 guys on the freshman baseball team. Yeah. And we had a JV and a varsity. So the volume of players, it just isn't there. Um, and then looking at some of the major league numbers of, of uh, 
the attendance being down three years in a row. Um, then, you know, the average person watched the World Series last year was 53 years old. Yep. Kids aren't watching it. So I'm a little, I'm a little nervous about our game because it is a great game and it's a good teacher of a lot of life skills. So, um, because there's so much adversity in our game. So you have to be able to get through those types of things and find out that, you know, through that adversity that, you know, I can still come out on the other side. So I, I don't know how you do it, but if somehow. Well, it's got to be a, it's going to have to be a consensus with major league baseball, college baseball, youth baseball. Everybody's going to have to get to the table and try to figure out how we can help the game grow and make it all inclusive because we are losing a lot yeah. of people to it because it is expensive and and baseball is a skilled sport it's a difficult sport to play and you know for a kid that that doesn't play right away they could pick it back up but because there is so much failure involved you know if, if you don't play right away you're going to lose some of those skills and the, as as you see now and I saw forever is you know, kids don't like being embarrassed now. So it's going to be tough for a kid that doesn't play right away because they're going to have a hard time jumping in when they're playing with kids that they feel like are better. It's, it's just a, it's a tough, tough deal for kids that don't start right away as well. Yeah. Just, I think if you're playing in, you know, in your hometown for your school or whatever, then, you know, then you have that one or two elite players and then everybody else is kind of in the same boat coming, coming down. So uh, they're a little, even though they may have some of those failures, there's guys beside them are having the same failures. Um, they're able to talk about that. Then there's live communication, which is another topic, but there's uh, those kids are able to kind of work through it together. Yeah. Um, but if you go to travel ball and then you also you get recruited to play on these travel ball teams and at a very young age becomes really high. You know, and then then it goes like, well, I don't I don't like this pressure. Well, if you're in your hometown and you're playing and there's maybe that one hometown superstar. But other than that, everybody else is just, you know, playing. But um, and we had them in our town. But heck, our starting nine played in college. Yeah. My my high school team Um, now. some, But they all play. Everybody played. Yep. You know, guys go to West Virginia, Boston College, Seton Hall. I went to Oklahoma State, and then there's other guys that went to Montclair State or, you know, William Patterson College or Ramapo College. So, yep. guys, but um, but I think if they're in their own environment, they get to go home every day, and it was less expensive, and then you're around some other guys going through the same struggle as you are, then it's not as uncomfortable. But if I'm in a – in a higher pressure situation and going to this event and next thing you know, well, you can play good in this event and you're 13 years old, you're not going to get a scholarship and <laughs> the amount of pressure that's going on is unrealistic. So then that guy, you know, he either doesn't develop or just stops playing. Yep. Exactly. So, um, uh, I, yeah, you know, growing the game and those things, we definitely are way behind, yep. you know, we're way behind, um, that I don't have the solution or the answer, but, we're way behind and I know there's a lot of younger players are just getting eliminated because it's just not affordable 
and the travel and, and those types of things is just unrealistic. Yep, exactly. You know, and Donovan, we will get going again. So I, I do wish you the best of luck with everything once you get started. You. And it, it's awesome that you got called up last year. And hopefully you can Thank take you. that momentum and keep rolling with it. And uh, this has been great for me because these are all great, great reminders for me personally of growing up around it. So I appreciate you guys coming on. So best of luck with everything. And, and let me know if you guys need something. Okay. Thank all right. You. Thank you. Yep. Thank you all right. Yep. Thanks, guys. Baseball truly is America's pastime. We are all stewards of this great game. I'm so excited to shine a light on these unique perspectives. All of these guests show their passion and love for each other and the great game of baseball. This is Ryan Brownlee signing off for the American Baseball Coaches Association. Thanks for listening to Father and Son, and remember to leave it better for those behind you.